Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, so you're going to hear the hotel room acoustics on this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast. I've noticed when we record in hotel rooms, you can tell that we're recording in a hotel room. The acoustics just aren't quite as good. It reminds me of the first hotel recording, Jimbo, that occurred in Jackson, Missouri. Missouri. Okay, Jackson, Missouri, at the infamous, after infamous tractors situation, <laughs> which is which is the moment. That's a good segue to the story I wanted to open with today. Okay. okay. <laughs> this, this was the moment. I'm still getting to know Bob Bickford. Don't know him super well yet. We go out to eat, and Bob says, do you have Dr. Pepper to drink? And the waitress says, is Mr. Pibb okay? And Bob immediately, I mean, without thought, just replies, is Monopoly money okay? I mean, have you tried, Mr. Pibb? <laughs> I thought, this poor waitress. <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing a flag on revisionist history here. No, there's no revisionist I, history. I did say, have you tried Dr. Pepper? But I don't think that I said, is Monopoly money okay? No, I remember that. Okay, well. Well, so here's the deal. Whether he said that or not, he did. Yes. <laughs> he, I can attest to his seriousness of Dr. Pepper dependency. And you can attest to it because on this trip, yes. Jimbo, Kyle Bierman texted, uh, or actually Facebook posted, I'm, I'm on the plane, we're about to take yep. off. And Kyle basically repeated that same scenario with a, a server he had here in mm-hmm. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I landed, what did I do? I called you. You called me. And so what, I'm, what did I'm, I say? I'm driving here on, on the way from Jacksonville, Florida, and I get a call from Bob. And dead serious, he goes, hey, I got a favor I need you to do. I said, okay, Bob, what What do you need? He goes, look, all they have here is Mr. Pibb, and you know I can't handle that. Me and Kyle are not going to be okay. <laughs> do you think you could stop by like a grocery store or something and grab me some Dr. Pepper? And so, sure enough, five minutes later, I see the big sign. Yes. Bucky's. Yes. So I pull into the Bucky's, and I knew, I knew without a doubt, Bucky's would have Dr. Pepper in mass. Yeah. And they did. So I got each of you twelve pack, and then I thought they're gonna feel weird walking around with a can in a hotel. So I got you each little Bucky's thermos mugs because that's how much I love you, Bob. I want to. I just want to say that I felt really loved by you, Jimbo. In, and you you exceeded my expectations, and I knew that you were a solid friend. So there you go. on behalf of Kyle Bierman and myself, I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Tonight, we've got such a great guest with yes. us, the, the great missiologist, the, the doctor himself to be the dad of two who hasn't slept in months, <laughs> Keelan Cook from Union Baptist Houston. Welcome, Keelan. Hey, it's good to be here. So we wanted to talk, we had you on here before talking about the panorama. We wanted to have you on here as the most educated missiologist we know. 
<laughs> so you're telling me I'm the only missiologist you guys know? <laughs> well, the only live one, Keelan. So, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, you know, we've read uh, Leslie Newbegin and, you know, a couple of other guys. He's got some good stuff. Yeah. So from, from your perspective, what are trends that you have noticed in church in America uh, in, in the last 12 to 18 months, particularly? We've had a few major world events <laughs> that have impacted the way we view and do things. I don't know if you've paid attention to the news. No, I'm, what are you talking about? There's, there was, <laughs> I'm unfamiliar. Some people got sick. Some people got mad. Some elections happened. And some other events with large gatherings. And so we, we wanted to know what those impacts have been on, on the church. And we also, I just, I need to say this. We also celebrated one year of podcasting. We did. We and celebrated. That wasn't a, I think that was a notable event. It was a notable event in the last 12 months that we had a one-year anniversary. Yeah. Uh, this is like episode, I'm going to get it wrong, 78? Eight. Yeah, 78. So this is episode 78. So 78 weeks, and we still like each other. We do. Okay, there was a hesitation. There was a hesitation there. That's a feat in itself. He was he was contemplating what did you do. I just didn't know if I was if you wanted me to respond yet. But <laughs> you dropped your cue card. He wasn't yeah. sure what to say. It was it was confusing. <laughs> All right, so Keelan, Keelan, what have you what have you noticed uh, in in the church world? So trends over the course of the last year, like man, that's a super broad and confusing and jumbly mess right now, right? I think in order to narrow it down, let's focus maybe on like one of the things, probably probably the biggie on the eye chart here would be the pandemic yes. as far as how it has affected church practice. Yeah. It's not the only one. Now, you mentioned two or three things there that I think are a big deal. Yeah. Uh, there's some cultural and political tension that is starting to occur that's an understatement isn't it yeah and uh, there's several other things that are swelling around that but the pandemic's probably the easiest isn't this funny it's probably the easiest to get a handle on when it comes to trying to talk about church practice right now <laughs> that's the world we're living in is that the pandemic's the easiest thing to talk about you know what i think about every once in a while you remember how 2020 started with australia on fire that's right. You forgot, didn't you? Yeah. You completely yeah. forgot that a whole continent was on fire. fire. And that was like one of the least memorable moments of 2020. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really was a pretty notable year entirely. So what what would be the trends you've seen from the pandemic? Yeah. So if we, if we focus on pandemic and talk about how that's impacted us, uh, obviously, uh, most of our churches for the course of the last year have been forced into either not gathering in person online or not gathering in person and going online uh, or finding some way of doing services outside or you heard for a while about churches that were meeting in cars and doing things over the radio so there was all of this scramble to try to figure out how we could meet when we couldn't meet and I think a lot of churches are starting to come back together now. You're seeing you're seeing people that are they're starting back up. I'm in Houston. Most of our churches are meeting in person again. However, over the course of the pandemic, I, I do think one thing that really sticks out for us is the fact that churches that had never really seriously considered uh, alternate forms of media and how they impacted the way that we as a church, uh, we as churches, do what we do, I think they were forced. 
to start thinking through how do we use, one, do we use media? Mm -hmm. uh, two, how do we use media? Uh, what's it good for and what's it not good for? These are the questions that I think we're gonna leave the pandemic having to answer well. And I think there's some good answers to it. I think there's some bad answers to it too. And so I'm, I'm gonna be interested to see what paths a lot of churches take considering things like, are we gonna keep streaming services? Uh, are we going to use um, like an online Zoom small group? There are churches that are persisting in those kind of things too. And so what we do with that, I think is gonna be the kind of the big trend. One of the things that, that we've talked about on the replant team, the larger replant team, and one of the things I'm observing is that people are relating to the the scheduled gathering of the local body in a different way. Hmm. So the whatever percentage of your people are attending church in, in person are still doing that on a schedule. There's a number of the of percentage of people who are not doing that and they're watching online. And here's what I'm seeing. They're not watching online at the time of the actual gathering if it's live streamed on YouTube or Facebook. They're treating the broadcast gathering as appointment worship. So, yeah, I think that's so like Netflix, like so when you know who watches a show when it's live anymore at all? We don't. Yeah. Well, I think people have adapted to that in in the way that they approach worship. So, part of what the question that I have in my mind and I don't have an answer for is is that going to persist? Mm -hmm. Right. And people are are okay with you know. Putting the, putting the pastor's message on pause. Uh, okay, pause, I need to go get a snack, or pause, I need to go do this, or wait a second, I'm gonna watch church on Monday night, or Tuesday night, or whenever it fits for my schedule. Yeah, um, so we're, we're, we're forecasting here, right? We're all just kind of predicting what's gonna happen. It's hard to say. I will say this, though. I think you're very right about that. There's this Netflixification. Oh, there you ooh, go. I like that. Uh, spun that one up. Uh, there's more where that came from. It's now the title of this episode. <laughs> there you go. The Netflixification of church. Yep. Is, isn't that a Red Hot Chili Pepper song? <laughs> <laughs> You're close. Okay. California. So, yeah, that's oh, oh okay. He said, so he All right, it. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening to secular music back then. Um, what's secular music, Bob? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Jimbo can tell us. So anyways... Uh, I think the answer is absolutely that's that's the thing that's occurring. The benefit, perceived benefit at least for many people, is the fact that I can now move church around my schedule. Probably didn't happen as much in the beginning, but along the way you start realizing absolutely. the light bulb goes off. Well, I don't have to watch this at 10 a.m. I can watch this, you know, in two hours and three hours. I can watch this on Tuesday. And there's some value add to me being able to build my schedule that way, right? And so I think you're right. I think it's starting to increasingly be used in that manner. Uh, a question that we need to be considering as church leaders is, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Yeah, I was gonna ask, you said there were good answers to yep. this and bad answers. So is the Netflixification of church, is that a good answer or is that a bad answer? Yeah, right now, I guess I'm feeling like it's not a good answer. Yeah. In, in the sense that if we think of the mandate in scriptures to gather together, not forsake the gathering, well, the gathering in that context, in, in the time of the writing, was an actual physical gathering that occurred at a particular point in time, right? Mm -hmm. So if I was kind of go nine marks ish on you, then I would probably say that 
it, it has to be a, a place and a time and people are called to that place at that time, mm-hmm. right? So I think what there's things that we lose. We So I can gather with the church by watching something, but I'm not really gathering with the church, I guess. And, and I... I really wrestle with that. And you're you're a, you got a new baby, right? Man yep. child, new man child. What's his name? He's got a really cool name, right? Ezra. Yeah, his yes. name is Charles Ezra. Yeah. yeah. What's it? So what are you going to call him? Uh, we're calling him Ezra. Okay. Uh, that's the so my my name is Charles Keelan. My dad's name is Charles Robert. So okay. that's where the Charles comes from. It's kind of a tradition for us to do the first boy that way. Nice. And then um, Ezra is like just extra biblical. Absolutely. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So I feel like I get plus points in yeah. some sense by using a name that's out of the Bible. Yeah. Um, so my son is Charles people. Cash, but named after Johnny Cash. So let's... Actually, you're the one that gets the plus points here. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the... Back yeah. to, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to throw um, us a curveball yeah, there. So but, right. but, but young parents, and this is what we're hearing from our young parents, like, so... Charles Ezra doesn't sleep all night, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know you guys are exhausted, yeah. and everybody's meeting online, and then your daughter gets, you know, she's a little fussy or something, and so you just push pause and you go to Meredith. Hey, I think we're just going to watch it after lunch when the kids are down for the nap. Down for the nap, right? So we can actually do this in peace. So that is tempting. <laughs> However, I I think I, I think that's problematic. Mm-hmm. That particular use case that you mentioned is problematic, though. If so, I'm largely in agreement with your your assessment of it. When you say that's that's wholesale kind of a bad thing, I, I'm largely in agreement with that assessment. However, let me play devil's advocate for a second. Uh, I had a conversation, a brief conversation on social media the other day with a friend from. Always the best place to have I'm a conversation. Telling you, I'm telling you, it certainly is um, clear. It's always yeah. understood, Thorough, really easy to understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sympathetic, empathetic, all of those things. Yes. It's, it's all of it. I've never seen it misused. Um, that's that's the perfect medium for, for <laughs> talking about anything that matters, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Anyways, though, so this conversation was a good one, though. We were having some discussion about the impact of uh, COVID and the pandemic on church practice. And one of the things that came up was the fact that it forced churches into thinking about some of these alternate means of delivering things like corporate worship and some of that stuff. And there has, in fact, been a whole vein in church life of people that legitimately were homebound, shut in, yep. families with children that have special needs, and there's there's a spectrum there, and some families who have had children that are in that kind of special needs category, like a lot of churches, it's very hard for them to fit mm-hmm. into what's going on, mm-hmm. and I have friends who have children with special needs that churches have told them as much and so we really don't have anything for you here Hmm. and so there's a whole vein of people over here that are a different use case than man it was really hard for me to get my kids up today i think we'll just push pause and do church whenever we want to yeah those are two different things i would affirm that that's one of the things that happened in the pandemic for me as a pastor was a heightened awareness of Mm shut-ins honestly because i i'm an extrovert I am a nomad. I do not want to sit in the same place very yeah. long. And so even as short as Jacksonville was locked down, I, I, it, I became empathetic immediately for shut-ins because I thought, I can't do this. I can't imagine what, and I really did have this like, how frustrating and difficult it must be for shut-ins 
to just sit there and go like I can't I mean even when there's not a pandemic I can't go anywhere I can't do anything I can't and so here I am at the home and at home and it made me as a pastor think all this stuff we're doing it for nobody else if for nobody else it's for the shut-ins absolutely and and for that I am grateful yeah but I, I would also agree in the idea of outside of that when we move from that to a matter of convenience it's like we have gone ahead and been honest about the fact that we were just consumers. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Right? It's like that's all of a sudden, you, like we pretended we weren't consumers, like we go to church, we're part of it, we participate. Yeah. But like that whole mentality of I'll play it when I want to play it, when it's convenient around my schedule, I'll pause it, I'll do it while I'm washing the dishes or cooking dinner or getting lunch ready, doing the laundry like a podcast. It all you're doing is consuming and and if you've said i'm good with that i i i have issues with that yeah i I take issue with that's that is not look extenuating circumstances special circumstances so grateful for this technology that we can do things but it's not not meant as a long-term solution for your convenience Mm -hmm. and I, i do think that that is an issue do you think that there will be problematic, continuous patterns from that? There are enough churches in America that the answer to that is inevitably yes. There are going to be some people that do this really poorly. So, yes, I do think you're going to see it. I, I hope it's not the majority trend, right? I hope we don't see the majority of folk doing that. Um, there's two or three very tempting things that I think online church as replacement for church. Because mm-hmm. that's really what we're talking about right the now, right? The Netflixification. Yes. Uh, this idea that online can substitute for the, what is biblically the irreducibly embodied nature of the church. The word church means assembly. Yeah. So kind of by virtue, there's an embodied nature to it, right? So if you just think that online is a substitute for that, there's several temptations that that spins up. One, if you were struggling to have people show up in person, but now you you look at your, your metrics on Facebook, and it looks like, we, we, know, we all know the problems with viewer metrics, yeah. but it looks like I'm now reaching more people, quote unquote. But that's, that's a tempting pull. Mm-hmm. The fact that we may not want to say to some folk that have started to kind of engage with us that we have an expectation at our church of embodied practice. And so you can just stay there and persist there. The expectation of embodied practice. We're just dropping phrases and terms like crazy here. I've never heard it put that way, but I like it. There you go. You can translate that into like, we expect your rear end to be in a seat here (laughs) at some point in time, right? He just went Tennessee Um, on us That's it. That's it. (laughs) Drop back into my native tongue. I love it. I love it. Um, So, like... That's going to be a hurdle that we have to overcome at some yeah. point. Yeah. And who wants to have that conflict, right? Maybe we can start talking about having an online service that's just perpetually so. And here's where we are really going to have to split some difference, I think. Mm-hmm. If we're not careful and we make that a legitimate alternative perpetually, instead of an on-ramp toward yeah. a full understanding of church, yeah. then we're going to have some problems. I agree. So if we get real practical in saying we're we're not going to make this uh, unaddressed, uncritically thought about practice. If we're going to take a couple of steps towards addressing it, what would those be? Yeah. So one, every piece of media you're putting out as a church, I think you need to ask, what is this for? 
Mm-hmm. I was having this conversation with some of our pastors in the association just the other day. If you've got a service that's going up on Facebook or it's going up on YouTube every week, who is that for? If it's for your regular congregation, we're at a point as we're starting to pull people back together. Like You need to find a way to onboard your people back to a full experience of church. Mm-hmm. So let's look for ways to do that. It may not happen immediately. There's probably good and bad ways, uh, sympathetic and unsympathetic ways to do that. And so if that's our purpose for this media, we need to find a way to transition back toward the other. I've seen other churches that I think have done a fairly effective job saying, you know, we're, now that we're in the habit of doing something online, let's use this as a means of outreach. And so it's not just going to be a carbon copy of the sermon that we're having here. Maybe it's a truncated version of the sermon. It's mm-hmm. 15 minutes instead of 30. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going to pre-produce this. And then we're going to tell our folk to share it on their social media. There you go. And so it becomes an outreach opportunity. And the expectation, though, is that our folk will eventually make their way back into the sanctuary. They're eventually going to make their way back into corporate worship with one another. But we're now going to use this as a tool to engage friends, family, people in our social circle, something to that effect. Yeah, so this is like, you know what this reminds me of? This is the electronic version of the youth group postcard. Remember that you you I don't know if you you might not be all you're gonna need to enlighten me. Okay. So back <laughs> what in is a youth group postcard. Back in the day when I was a youth pastor, one of the things we would do is we would Back make, in the early nineteen hundreds, yes. We would make postcards. Okay. And we would, you know, Pizza Blast on Friday or, you know, okay. uh, laser tag. Yeah. And then we would there's this thing called paper clip art that we, you would you would cut these images out. No, I, I've seen clip art. I okay. found it in a drawer. <laughs> <laughs> but you would send them out to people, you would give them to your friends, yeah. and and you would corral your youth group, you'd get pass them out on Wednesday night and you would say, Hand these out because we're gonna have a big event on Friday and we're gonna share yeah. the gospel. Yeah. And so this is the electronic version of a of a youth group postcard. Sorry. I love it. I yeah. love it. But you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna leave it with a Netflixification. Yeah. You have to really work to articulate yeah. that. That's a little it's dangerous. A mouthful. Netflix, it's a mouthful. Netflixification cliffhanger. I say we do a part two. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.